Welcome to the podcast, everybody. This week and for the next four weeks, we're going to do something a little different than what we've been doing on this podcast. I'm really excited to do this. It's going to be a little bit of a change up from what we've done before. Previously, we've talked mostly about the technical aspects of how to succeed in music licensing, you know, producing, mixing, and mastering, the business side of things, what to do with uh, one of our recent episodes with what do you do when the library ghosts you and they don't talk to you anymore, um, how do you deal with that, or how do you avoid that kind of a situation in the future. So a lot of it's about the technical strategies for how to succeed, but I do want to dive a little deeper into the emotional, psychological side of this business because it is probably the most important part of actually getting to the to wherever you want to get in your sync licensing career. So if you want to go from where you are now to full-time income, having that technical knowledge is certainly a big part of it because you can't succeed without knowing how to create licensable music, how to determine which library you should partner with, and of course, constantly cranking out music. But in that process, and as you're going through that and in your journey, you're going to have so many psychological and and um, and mental uh, fears and obstacles and issues that come up that any one of them can easily take you down. And I know that for a vast majority of producers that I coach and mentor, those are usually the things that get in people's way. It's not that they couldn't figure out how to use a compressor. Believe it or not, that's the easy part. It's not that they couldn't figure out how to use a new plugin or a new DAW software program or learn how to mix or master. It's that maybe as they're learning that, a fear creeps into their head, right? This kind of doomsday fear that they'll never succeed or that it's just too hard or they're not progressing fast enough or this fear of failure or success. So we're gonna talk about all that kind of stuff. Those are the issues that I really do think we need to spend a lot of time on. We're gonna dive into them. Um, And so what we're gonna do for the next, uh, essentially starting this week for the next uh, five weeks is we're gonna go one week at a time and we're going to try to solve the five biggest uh, fears, issues, psychological um, uh, issues that most producers face when they're trying to succeed in, in music licensing. So for the first one, we're gonna start this week with, I'm worried that myself and my music will be rejected. So it's basically this fear of rejection and not only just fear of rejection of the tracks that you submit to a library, but fear of a deeper thing of like that you are going to be rejected, that you're not gonna be welcome or accepted into this industry. I know this is one of the biggest fears that most of you guys deal with pretty much on a daily basis. If you don't, be thankful that you're not dealing with it because I've certainly dealt with it. I know Mike and Trevor who joined me this week, they've dealt with it as well. So you're not alone if you felt that rejection or fear of that rejection moving forward. Again, yeah, you're thinking about putting that track or that uh, album together and submitting it to a library and you're just really, you got your hopes up on this one particular library and you're just really scared that if you do submit it, that means you're open to being ignored, being rejected, having them not like your music, right? So there's a huge psychological fear there. That's not a technical thing that we have to get through. That's more of a psychological, a mental thing that we have to deal with, okay? So to start this off, I think maybe all each one, one of us can maybe talk about some rejections that we've had uh, in our careers. I can tell you guys uh, for sure, I've both had rejections from libraries that I wanted to partner with, and I've also had tracks that I submitted to partner to libraries that I was partnered with get rejected. So I've been rejected on both sides. I've also been rejected from uh, custom opportunities. I've also been fired off of a uh, custom scoring job, essentially becoming a film composer for a indie small film. I was fired off of that because I didn't do a great job with the first couple of cues. So I have been rejected, fired, ignored from everybody you can possibly be rejected and ignored by in this industry, okay? And every single one of those felt like crap. Every single one of those sucked really, really, really bad. I remember the library one. I even, I don't remember now at this point what the library name was, but I had come across this new library. I wanted to pitch to them. 
I submitted to them and it took them, I think, a good month or two before they finally got back to me and they gave me this very quick, short, thank you for submitting, but we don't feel your music is right for us. Sincerely, you know, the library team. Like totally a copy and paste job, like no no personal touch to it. My hopes were shattered, you know, all my dreams felt like they just fell and crumbled on the floor. And it sucked. It really, really, really didn't feel good at all. I've also had tracks that I loved that I pitched to the libraries that I was partnered with. And maybe they accepted some of them, but some of them they realized this is just not up to our standards. We really can't find a home for this. Sorry, you're going to have to find. And I got mad. I got really mad at the library. I got mad at the owner or the A&R person, whoever it was that rejected it or said they didn't want it. Got really, really pissed off at them. Um, and in terms of that uh, indie film that I got fired from, I felt uh, not only not so much anger, um, but really just kind of like a question my um, my worth, like a sense of like, am I am I even really a professional? Because I just got fired from this really cool thing that I thought I was going to do a decent job at. I thought I was going to do OK. And it didn't work out. And they fired me and they basically didn't even fire me directly. I had to get fired through a, a, a third party, basically. They didn't even tell me directly. I had to find out through a friend of mine that they went with a different composer. And so that definitely put a huge sort of doubt in the floor of uh, my center of gravity, essentially, not knowing, do I belong in this business, right? Because I was like, I thought I was going to do okay with that. And I didn't do that great with it. And certainly the, the results right there said I wasn't doing the job right. So that, that caused me a lot of confidence issues for sure. And then, of course, it took time to bounce back from that and realize, hey, no, I still have a purpose here. I'm still serving the needs of libraries and I'm still getting out there and doing some great things and still securing custom opportunities and getting those big sync fees and getting my stuff out there on national and international commercials and really cool stuff. So it took a while, but I did bounce back. But I just want to start off the conversation with letting you guys know that even for where I am, I've dealt with tons and every type of rejection you guys can uh, can ever think of. So anyways, uh, Mike, maybe you want to start off with, uh, can you think of maybe some specific uh, instances of rejection you faced with. <laughs> uh, too many. Um, I still go through it now, actually, you know, so I think rejection, first off, uh, just in general, uh, I think rejection is just kind of a part of this journey, um, you know, and I think it's just something that we all have to just kind of go through. Um, in the beginning, it's a little bit, it was a lot harder, you know, because um, I remember feeling that roller coaster of emotions of like, you know, you get signed to a library or you get on an opportunity for something and you're just like, oh, you, you have that emotional high and you're just like, oh, this is awesome. But then with your library, you don't get a placement, let's say for a year or so, or, you know, you get all these, or, you know, maybe they're not accepting all of your tracks or give you a ton of revisions. And then that, that sets you back. So I can remember um, two instances where um, I worked with uh, a couple of libraries where um, I submitted an album of tracks that I thought were like, you know, really dope. And at this point too, I've already been um, writing um, I think a couple of years for commercials and stuff too. So I've kind of gotten used to a little bit of, uh, the rejection process in that. Cause there's a lot of it there, but, uh, I, but not necessarily when it comes to writing my own music for a library, pitching it in that, that kind of way. So basically, um, yeah, I, I remember these two instances in particular, both were like at the time, pretty, you know, small or newer libraries. And um, I thought that my stuff was like awesome. I thought it fit whatever they were looking for. I thought it was better than anything that they wanted. And I remember the first time, um, you know, they came back to me with uh, like pages of revisions, you know, and that actually got me more um, riled up than, you know, actually a no. I would have rather, I think at the time for them to be like, no, that's, you know, this just isn't good enough or whatever, you know, or we don't like it. But like the fact that they're just like picking apart almost everything and it was like, hey, change this, change that. I didn't really know how to take that um, for each track. 
Um, so, you know, that was one. Um, of course, like, I didn't handle that very well. In fact, that I didn't do the revisions. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm bringing these uh, two instances up in particular because these are the two instances that I didn't handle well at all. So, um, I kind of kick myself now for not doing it because like, you know, this that particular library grew into one of the biggest libraries now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I could have gotten in on the ground floor at the time, but you know, um, and then the second time was, uh, basically when I started delving into more trailer centric type of music, I was, uh, submitting my stuff around the libraries. It was kind of the same thing. Um, you know, I thought that what I was doing was good and everything. Um, I knew it wasn't, the best you know I did I was accepting of like okay there's some work to do um so I was accepting of some you know rounds of revisions which I went through but then at the end of that you know a flat no after a couple like a few rounds of revisions just basically being like you know um oh this isn't really good enough for licensing and you know we're really looking for placements at the time I didn't really accept that or appreciate that answer as being like okay cool like they just I'm, you know, I, the way I, I think I should have, looking back at it, the way I should have looked at it was just like, oh, that's great. They don't want music to sit on their shelf. They actually want to place everything that they get, which is great. I didn't see it that way. I saw it as like, okay, well, I guess that I might not be cut out for trailer music. I might not be cut out for like, you know, to me, I was like, and I looked at it as, okay, commercials, TV was like one tier. And I felt like movie trailers was the next tier. And it kind of hit me a little bit in the sense of like, maybe I'm not cut out to take that jump, you know? So it took me a little bit of, um, I guess, recovery. And, and mind you, at this point, like I've already been in this business like over maybe 12 years, you know? So I'm used to it, you know, and it still hit me. And, you know, so even now, like uh, custom jobs that I get and also like, um, even for my company, like licensing pitches and stuff like that, when we do get rejected, there's, there's still that tiny little, you know, uh, feeling of tightness that I'll still have to fight every now and then. But yeah, those were two big instances that really stick out for me. Yeah, man. And, uh, I want to point out two things before Trevor, you share your stuff. Um, you know, one of your, one of the themes there for sure that I dealt with too, with that indie film that I got fired from is, you know, associating yourself with your music in terms of if they reject the music, they reject me. And then we go to catastrophizing. So maybe that means I don't have a future in this business. Maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I'm not good enough, right? We, we took this one tiny little bit of uh, data and we extrapolated all of these assumptions and meanings to it, right? Which is totally not what the data point said. And exactly if we actually took their literal, literal words in your situation, is they were saying something really useful, just saying like, we don't want to really just mess with anybody just to have music in our, our catalog. And we don't want to waste your time because you think about it, if they had taken your music because they felt sorry for you or they're just like, okay, whatever, you know, we don't want to reject them. You wouldn't have liked that because then it just would have sat there and like they probably wouldn't have pushed it as hard because they didn't feel like it was actually marketable, licensable. So they were being honest with you. They were giving that cold, hard truth of like, hey, we're a business. We're trying to be profitable. And these tracks just we don't see them flying off the shelf as they are now. So, yeah. And I, I did the same thing with the, you know, um, with the indie film of like, well, just because they fired me and they didn't like my music, then it's like, oh, well, that means that I don't have worth. That means that I'm probably not good enough. That means that maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i an imposter, like I'm a fraud, like I shouldn't even be in this business, right? We all kind of deal with that at some point. So that is um, easier said than done, you know, to be able to detach yourself from your music. For me, one way that I've been able to do that is to make so much music that I can't get attached to any one track. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's actually been one of the defenses. And it actually, as a side effect, works into building a monster catalog that's just been out there serving me for years and years and years so I couldn't tell you like sometimes I'll get these re uh, royalty statements and I'll see the track title and go 
what was that one about? I don't remember that one. And I have to go back into my records and find, oh yeah, I do remember that one. That was kind of cool. And I kind of like it that way so that I'm not so personally attached to any one particular track. There's so much out there. There's so much music that I've done and I love creating it all. Of course, you love some better than others, but it's kind of like I don't see them as my my precious little individual baby that if they don't get treated perfectly every single time, I'm going to feel offended, right? It kind of allows me to go, you know, some are going to be winners, some are going to be losers, some are going to get me a lot, some are going to get me a little, some are just going to sit on the shelf. But when you have that many, you have this large number of tracks out there because you've been consistently cranking out music, you kind of... Um, I guess guard yourself a little bit from some of that kind of feeling of uh, attaching yourself to any one particular track. So, but again, that's that's easier said where we are because we've been doing this for so long. So I understand for those of you listening, you might be you know this is your first album, right? So this is your first ten tracks, and I remember my first album; those were my babies. So I know that that might not be even a reality for you at this point, but just know that it gets easier as time goes on, as you create more music. That feeling of thinking that these tracks are very very special, you know, think about it. You have ten tracks, and that's all you have. Well, those are really important. But now let's say you have 20. Okay, these are really important. Now you have 100. Okay, now you're starting to not see them as individually very, very important, but just all high quality, hopefully, all really licensable tracks. But now because the number is so large, it's hard to like imagine you have 100 kids, you know, how much individual attention can you give to each one of them? Probably just a little bit, right? And so that kind of helps you um, to protect yourself a little bit. And also, you know, bonus, you have a lot of music out there, and it can get you a lot of royalties. So anyways, Trevor, how about your, uh, your stories of rejection? Yeah, my, so I don't I don't know why or well I do know why which is why okay so I don't relate as much to the like mad after rejection I've actually just type of person I am I guess not I guess I I know why and I'll explain why it has to do with my history and sports and stuff but um I don't actually get very like whenever I'm rejected or have been rejected in the past like it definitely didn't hit me as hard as I know it hits a lot of other people and it took me a while to realize why and. <clears throat> I'll kind of explain. I think there's two types of people um, when it comes to anything that's like competitive, whether it's competitive with yourself or with other people or whatever, um, in any kind of competition thing, like like not just being competitive, but having a structure, whether it's basketball, whether it's the business world, whether it's real estate, whatever it is. And there's two things. There's either you are so in love with the win that you don't care what happens until you get to the win. Or you're in love with the journey and also you like the win. So I was the I was the kid who liked the journey. I liked going to basketball practice. I like hanging out with basketball players. I liked getting better. I liked doing this stuff. And I lost a lot. And and because I wasn't that great, but I still enjoyed the whole thing, the whole experience, right? But then there's people, there's like the Kobe's, right? Where they're they're dedicated, to, they want that win. And that's all that's important. That's, that's all that's important to them. And he knows it. Just like I know that I'm not like I don't when I when I went to basketball practice, I wasn't thinking about winning the next game a lot of the times. So I was just thinking about playing basketball in the moment, just hanging out, playing, doing my drills, maybe winning the game. That'd be cool, too, you know, kind of thing. And <clears throat> I think there's there's those are the two types of people in most competitions. Um, and that I think you have to be you have to um, be honest of which one of those you are. And, and if you can't really figure out which one you are. Um, you're probably the first one, which is the like, you, you got to learn how to enjoy the journey because the second one is the one, it's why there's so little of them. There's why there's not a hundred Kobe's everywhere, right? Is because it is very hard to think about that win while you're constantly failing in your practice, right? And you're, 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 you're like, I've been here for four hours. I haven't enjoyed this four hours. I'm, I, I can't do it anymore. Whereas somebody who's like, no, I'm doing this four hours so I can win tomorrow. Like that's a very hard mindset to be in. Um, and since 
not everybody can be in that mindset. I think if you can figure out a way to enjoy that four hours of practice, you eventually will get those wins and those will be nice because the journey you've learned how to enjoy just as much as the wins. And <clears throat> for me, whenever I was rejected and stuff, essentially that's just telling me to go back to practice. And because I was, you know, the same with basketball, whenever we would lose game, you know, essentially it was like, all right, well, we got a whole nother week to like figure out what we did wrong when we lost. And I'm cool with that because I, I liked the practice. Right. And so when it comes to like, <clears throat> when you get rejected and when you're home alone and you're, you know, feeling down or whatever, if you're not enjoying the practice, if you're not enjoying making the music, making, you know, trying to reach your goal of the, you know, two tracks by the end of the week, whatever it is, um, I think this is like a very Gary V thing which is essentially like you got to love the journey. And if you can't, like you got to figure out a little journey because or else you're going to just hate yourself. And if you, if, if you, if, if you're addicted to the, the wins, but you can't like focus when you're not in the win moment on enjoying the non-win moments of practicing or maybe even losing or whatever in between, then you're just going to burn out. And <clears throat> I know so many people who have done that, who are just like, you know, they've gone like six months and that's not even that long of a time in this industry. They've gone like six months, they didn't done their journey and they failed like maybe once a month they've tried to pitch like, okay, I'm going to work. And then at the end of the month, I'm going to pitch my music. And I do that six times and every time they fail, but they were miserable the entire time um, because they weren't figuring out how to enjoy it. And I think that in order, like this is kind of a, in order to be able to continue down that journey, like you really got to figure out how to enjoy it, whether it's, socially like working like collaborating with people or just enjoying your own creative juices flowing you know like because I, I know some i know a lot of composers who i'll work with them and they will they'll they'll see it almost as like school homework almost like as a multiple choice question their music and that they'll sit there and they're just trying to land the right answers in their music and they're not like being creative they're not like trying new things for the fun of it. Like they're not going to waste an hour goofing around. Like they're not doing any of that stuff. And so they just, they get mad when they get their test results back because it's like, oh, I was just, you know, just trying to get the right answers and <clears throat> you're going to burn out. And so anyway, so long story short, essentially, I think that it's, if you can figure out how to love that product, unless, unless you're like the Kobe, right? Where you're just like, I don't care. I don't care if I'm miserable for a month, as long, like, as long as I get that win. And if I don't get that win, I'm down to be miserable again for another month. If you can be that guy, fine, but most can't. And so, like I said, if you can figure out how to enjoy that journey and get rid of the things that make that journey miserable for you, whether it's, you know, people in your life, things that you do, food that you eat, I don't know, whatever it is that just kind of make you miserable, trying to pull those out and bring in what makes you happy during the journey. It'll definitely make your, your, you're going to process to that, that uh, approval or, or de uh, denial or whatever ends up happening with your music much easier because then the process is still there and you're still enjoying it and keep, keep rolling. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I never actually heard it described that way. That's a really cool way of, uh, of thinking about it. It definitely makes sense. And I think it's actually interesting. It's like another way of saying um, what I've said to a lot of people for the last couple of years doing this is why so many producers bail out. And, and, you know, I always say it's because they want that get rich quick result kind of a thing, which is another way of saying they want the win, right? They want the win right away. They want it right now. And because they're not getting a check in two weeks, because they're not getting a placement within a month, because they're not getting their royalties for nine to 12 months they feel like it's a loss and they burn out, like you said. And uh, I've definitely, I can totally, totally double down with that. Like the journey and what I call is just like the love, the craft of making music and whatever that is for you. Like Trevor said, if you want to collaborate, 
if you just make a music on it by yourself. Um, it's just that feeling of like you're alive, you know, like when you actually are doing something where you're pulling from the imaginary world, you're pulling something from there into an actual tangible medium and then seeing this like life be created in front of you, your music, right? The beat now makes you wanna dance to it. The, the bass now actually gives the drums a new attitude, a new swag, right? That lead now brightens up the entire track and it's like, whoa, this is now a much bigger track than I thought it was going to be. And you kind of surprise yourself by sort of getting yourself out of the way and letting the music kind of speak to you. And like Trevor said, you just experiment with things, try new sounds out, play with some things, um, you know, jump the tempo up, bump it down, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it has to be kind of like you're in, in kindergarten and you're in the sandbox and you're just playing with stuff. You're making little sand castles, you're pouring things here, you're trying things out. Of course, there's going to be um, a bit of a professional aspect to everything that we're doing, but there still needs to be play. Like it still needs to be fun. I know I've said that a lot of times. I wanna make sure I really double down on it now. If you're not having fun making music, you're doing it wrong. You are just doing something wrong. There's, it, it, this should be actually very, very enjoyable. Doesn't mean that every gig is gonna be your favorite gig. Doesn't mean that every track is gonna be the track that just makes you just fall in love with making music again in life. But there should be some amount of enjoyment in the process while you're in your studio creating music because that will be what gets you through until that next royalty check. Because if you guys didn't know, royalty checks only come once a quarter. So you guys are probably used to getting paychecks every two weeks, maybe once a month from your employer. So what are you gonna do if you had to go to work every day and you only got a paycheck once every three months, right? You better have something at that job that you enjoy, right? You, you enjoy the company of your coworkers, you like the work, more importantly, hopefully you like the work that you do, you actually get some sort of fulfillment and enjoyment out of it. And the hardest part about this business is, unlike a job, if you had like a good boss or a good manager, Hopefully they're they're praising you, they're giving you encouragement, they're showing that they appreciate what you do. You know, some of us, well, definitely all of us in this business, we're much more isolated and so we don't have the manager or the supervisor or somebody to say, hey, good job, you're doing great work, right? Hopefully if you work with a library that's good, they'll give you that word of encouragement and they'll say, hey, you're doing an awesome job, we love what you're doing, or when you send tracks, they just really praise you. That goes a long way. Um, uh, in fact, I would actually, and I think there's been studies on that, that uh, praise and encouragement and acknowledgement of hustle is actually more motivating than actually even more money. Like money can do great things for people, but actually just being told, hey, you're doing a great job, you're doing awesome, that actually does wonders for our motivation to want to perform. So if you don't have a library that's doing that for you, uh, and maybe you don't have many family members that are doing that for you, then you got to step in and be your own manager. And you got to give yourself a pat on the back, a hug, uh, treat yourself right you can build in little treats for yourself so let's say you know getting into your studio and, and focusing for four hours is not easy to do well what's the one thing that you love right watching a favorite tv show getting a smoothie whatever it is some sort of a treat for yourself withhold that treat from yourself until you commit to doing that four hours of work in your studio and you can start to train your brain to start to enjoy these things because now you've associated them with getting this thing that you really love and you actually might find in that process you'll start to fall in love with the act itself. So there's a lot of things you guys can do, um, but I do I do wanna double down for sure on that, that yeah, you gotta be in love with the craft. It's so and so important. Um, one thing I do wanna say too is there is a, um, a fear, of course, that comes when people wanna uh, submit music to libraries because they're like, well, it's 50-50, right? As soon as you send your tracks to a library, there's a 50% chance they reject it, 50% chance they accept it. But those are not great odds, right? Because we, we'd rather have a little bit better than that. But even though that's the reality, we can't change that. That is certainly what your odds are every time you submit to a, a catalog, a library. 
Just remember that if you don't submit, what you're doing is you're increasing the chances that you don't get accepted by them to 100%, right? So that's your only guarantee, is that if you decide to not go through potential rejection, you decide to withhold, you decide to not take a shot there, you are guaranteeing that there's no chance that they're going to do it, right? You guys have heard that expression, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, right? So just keep that in mind that it's better to take 50-50 than 100% of guaranteed ain't gonna happen, right? So if you can keep that in perspective, then maybe it doesn't seem so scary and it actually seems like the more common sense, logical thing to do is yes, submit it. I, I even had one student this morning email me. He got rejected, but he was very proud of himself that he submitted to a library. And I said the same thing. I said, hey man, the fact that you were courageous enough to give it a shot, you're, you're, you're already succeeding. Okay, That is success, is actually going through rejection, not trying to bypass it or think there's another way to get through it. Success actually means that you go through rejection, not that you go around it. So anyways, let's do some final thoughts here. Uh, Mike, do you have some final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, yeah, so I mean, the biggest thing I, I think when it comes to rejection is like, I, at least in, in my experience, uh, since I've done a lot of uh, commercials and a lot of, uh, of where I come from is from advertising, there's a lot, like probably 85 to 90% of my time is getting rejected, you know? So um, I think that, you know, if, so if you think about it, um, the process is kind of built that way. You know, you're looking at one, let's say 30 second spot that's looking for one song out of a pool of maybe hundreds of submissions, you know, um, no matter how good your song kind of is, there's so many factors I can go into kind of um, picking that sort of, you know, so it's almost like a unicorn, you know, each commercial that you kind of win. Um, most of the time it's kind of paid that way. So that's, you know, creates this big high and big low kind of thing. I've always thought that like um, over the years, um, you know, I have kind of developed, you know, in the beginning it used to really like hit me hard as to, okay, you know, really affect me. Um, when I'd lose a job or whenever I would, you know, be told whatever to change things around and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I started to realize, um, and it took me years to really realize this, that um, the only way, at least for me, the way I see it, the only way that you fail is when you stop, you know? So this is really a marathon, you know? Um, and, you know, and you don't fail if you just keep going, you know? So, and, and really at the end of the day, you know, you get rejected a bunch of times and you just kind of get better at it just like anything else, <laughs> you know? So, and actually, because a lot of this game is centered around rejection, you know, it's that's actually a skill that you can develop in the sense of being rejected, how to take that in, how to figure out like, okay, well, you know, what what is the message in this email that they're really trying to tell me, you know? I mean, obviously, well, even some of the emails to that or some of the communication where maybe the other side is, is really being a dick and just being like, no, your stuff sucks, you know? It's like, well, okay, like that that's kind of harsh and probably not the most professional way to convey that, but there might be something in there, you know, that you can take a look at and be like, okay, oh, you know, maybe there's like some tiny thing in the mix that to them, you know, like, or, and even maybe to you that it's something that you can tweak and get better on, you know? So, I mean, there's always ways to improve off of anything. And I think that's, you know, I just think that like really at the end of the day, our job is to just show up and submit, you know, and keep submitting. And as whenever you stop, then that's basically when you've kind of failed, you know, that's, you know, and for whatever reason, if there's legit reasons to kind of call it quits, if you don't feel like it's for you, but at the end of the day, you know, um, if you love just making music, then your only job really is to submit winning jobs and, um, getting placements and stuff like that for the most part is kind of out of your hands, you know? 
Yeah, man, that's really well said. And no matter what happens, even if you do decide to bow out of sync licensing, are you like not going to take the knowledge you learned with you into the next career? And of course, you're going to everything that you learned, all the rejections that you got, all the sort of, uh, you know, the pain that you endured. If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, right? So you're going to take all this stuff and be a much more professional, well-prepared, uh, able to deal with rejection uh, person with whatever endeavor you go into. So this idea of failure, it's really got a bad, you know, it's really kind of like creeped into all of our lives because we do, you know, the, like you were saying, Mike, that if you uh, get rejected, we, we tend to want to think that as a failure. And it's not, you know, a failure is only when I would say the definition would be if you want to continue on with something, but then you're willing to say you're willing to just give up on it, right? You want to really do it, but you're willing to actually just give up on it. That's actually a conscious choice to just bow out of it because now you're just kind of giving into the fear. You're giving into whatever that was, right? But if you decide after a year or two in this business, you go, you know what? I've gotten rejected enough times. I kind of can see that. I could get better at licensing, but man, it's gonna take me a lot longer than I was in planning and anticipating, and I think I have other interests and other things I wanna do. That's not failure at all. Like that is just, you're, you're getting to know yourself, right? Like how many jobs, Trevor, Mike, have you guys had that you don't do anymore, okay? We've all, you know, I've been a lifeguard, uh, janitor, uh, you know, you, you name it, babysitter, everything. So because I don't do those anymore, would I fail at every single one of them? Like, no, they just were a stepping stone for me. They just were a learning an opportunity. And licensing, believe it or not, licensing itself is a stepping stone for me as well. I am not going to do this the rest of my life. There's going to be other things that I do. But you better believe that everything that I took and learned from this industry, I carry with me. So when you kind of zoom out of your life a little bit more and not get so wrapped into, into the, like the, the here and now of how I feel, you know, you kind of get a little more calmer, kind of a more uh, relaxed sense and, and a better perspective, essentially, on what's going on in your career. So, anyways, Trevor, your final thoughts? Yeah, I had this, I had this thought of your, your, uh, the things that you used to do and failed at or whatever. Uh, my little speech that I'm about to go into is essentially about people who want you to fail because of their things. And I was thinking of a, an article that could be written about Jesse. Where it'd be like failed, <laughs> failed lifeguard and <laughs> failed babysitter tries his hand at sync licensing <laughs> yep. you know and people would love that headline because it tells it, it allows them to feel like oh he's such a failure so my failures aren't that bad anyway <laughs> that's it man. random stupid headline thrown in my head when you said that okay <clears throat> so um you had mentioned or you had said something in your your last right after you and i were talking or right after my last thing um about <clears throat> excuse me about um about people or uh, uh, failure and and what um, like internally what that means for you and, and uh, stuff like that. So I'm going to tell a little bit of a story. Oh, the believing in you. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it was. It was the money sometimes isn't as great of a currency as like somebody just believing in you. You know that thing. So that I actually have a story about that that is like insanely true. That in in a lot of ways kind of changed my life trajectory in in some ways. And that is somebody believing in me. And not just like some, hey man, I believe in you, go, you know, good job, bye, you know, and like dip, but actually like truly express it in a way that I was just like, you know, I believe them. Like, and, and they, they've expressed it randomly throughout our relationship and all that stuff to the point where it was, <clears throat> it kind of unlocked this kind of like, um, I like, I would never have wanted them to give me any money for any reason. This is amazing. This is way more uh, gratifying. And what, what that did for me is it almost made me not addicted to it, but I just, I, I yearned for more of that. I was just like, you know, I've spent the majority, this happened of what, three, four years ago. So like 27 years of my life being around people who aren't really happy for me when I succeed. 
for the most part. Like there's still people, but for the most part, you know, and, and, you know, being around neighbors who aren't happy for you when you succeed because they're your neighbors and you're in the same position they are, but you're trying to succeed and they're not. And then they, they see it as, you know, they don't like it. So they want to like tear you down and, or, you know, friends and family do the same thing. And, and <clears throat> so anyway, so having like, having that happen once this one time where I was just like, man, like he does believe in me and, and I do too, but like nobody else is really like, it's hard to just believe in yourself. Some of the time you're just like, it's just me at my computer all day. Nobody else is like pumping me up <clears throat> and to get a little bit from the outside. It's so valuable. And I think that, um, it's something that isn't talked about as much, but I like, I'm in this mode now where like, I want to be around other people who feel that way. And I want to be around people. I feel that way about them. I want to be, saying that stuff to other people too. be like yo like i believe in what you're doing you're killing it you're doing this and that and i want other people to do that to me and so like <clears throat> but we get but i know so many people and i've seen this and i was one of these people too where it's just like you have the people you've been around for a long time you have the, the habits of yourself you know where you, you do it to yourself too you know where you're just like well i'm not that good or i'm not you know and and you get stuck that stuck in that for like a decade and that's 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 where, and then the failures just hit even harder, you know? And so <clears throat> anyway, so this whole, that whole thing is essentially like I'm in this mode and I think this is something that I would, I hope other people start doing just because once I started doing it, I just felt like my life, like I'm just more happier, you know, I, I'm more optimistic, more all that stuff is find people who are like that, find people around that like either believe in you or have the potential to believe in you, people you believe in. And, and you almost like get this snowball effect where it's like, you know, you're just one little snowball, but then you end up in this big snowball that just rolls and gets bigger and bigger, as opposed to just like two snowmen sitting there staring at each other. Like, I don't like you. Yeah, I don't like you either. Hope you <laughs> fail. You know, like, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm painting some weird picture in my head. But anyway, the point is, is that that stuff is uh, addicting is the wrong term, but it, you know, something along those lines where it's just like, man, this is great to the point where like, I, I want to like, really like get it's funny we're in this lockdown thing i've been an introvert my whole life i've been very like i don't have a lot of friends all that kind of stuff but lately the reverse is happening for me where i'm just like i want to find other people that are like this i want to be around other people who want to tell me about their successes because then then i get to talk about mine and, and so on and so forth so anyway so <clears throat> in it, you made me think of that when you had said that i think it's something that i i hope people can figure out how to find in their life because we all need a little bit more uh not not, not just encouragement, but like some more pats on the back that are actually genuine that we believe in. Not some like, you know, hey, good job for being you for no good reason. I'm just doing it to feel good. But actual like really believe in it. And, and same for the other way around, like patting other people on the back and you really believe in it. I think that's something that we don't do a lot of. Um, man, it feels good when we do. Absolutely, man. Well said, dude. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's um, that's powerful stuff right there. Um, you know, it's it's. I think a lot of that comes down, my personal belief is that it comes down from a, uh, a scarcity versus an abundance mindset, right? So like when you're succeeding, somebody might think, well, that means there's less success for me, you know? So uh, yeah, I'll say that I'm happy for you, but I'm not really happy for you. I don't really like to see you doing well, right? Or it could be, uh, like you said, crabs in a bucket where you're doing some cool things and you're kind of inadvertently shining a light on them not doing a lot of cool things, right? They've kind of just gone to sleep in their life and they're not really, you know, going for what they really wanted to go for. So that can make them feel uncomfortable. So rather than just going, you know, why did I feel, again, owning it, like why did I feel weird when Trevor talked about his 
company doing this and that, they attack you or they maybe even secretly without you knowing they kind of want to tear you down because they don't like that uncomfortable feeling and they associate you with that uncomfortable feeling even though you did not accuse them of not going for their goals or anything like that. You were just talking about yourself and uh, yeah, and that's something that I've I've struggled with as well. Like I'm very, I think I'm naturally very competitive and I do like to win in a way, um, but also I'm, I'm trying to actively, consciously change my mindset from scary. It's like an everyday thing. It's not like you ever get there and you're like okay i'm in abundance now and everything's great it's just a constant it's a constant struggle where you're you know you do have these tendencies to want to have your ego kind of like make you the center of the world and like all of your um accomplishments need to need to be front and center but there's for me it's like always it's like i need to again like you said reach out to other people celebrate their successes ask about how they're doing and when they do well really you know you know dwell in that you know and praise them for that and really acknowledge that that that's a really hard thing for you to do and that's really cool that you did it um and it's just actually it's really rewarding and it feels really great to kind of step outside of your own ego even for just a couple minutes to listen to somebody else's story too so now i know all of that is so much easier said than done because it's really hard to find people that have that abundance kind of like you know open-hearted um, vibe to them, uh, especially if you have family members or friends or coworkers that are really not in that zone. That's really a hard thing to kind of start to do. Um, so hopefully, if you guys are in uh, Sync Academy, you're getting that through the interactions that we have here, and we generally have that all the time. It's basically this: like when people win, when they get a placement, when they get a library, you see the comments underneath. It's nothing but awesome. Good for you. That's awesome. So. We do celebrate each other's wins and that's a really cool thing that we have going on in our community. And that's one of the reasons why I created it is because I wanted to have a place like that that could be positive for people that, yes, I know that it's not your, you know, it's not people you're directly interacting with face to face, but at least it's something better than Facebook, right? At least it's something that's better than getting distracted by all the other crap going on in the world. It's actually a really cool, safe um, positive place for people to come and and talk about your failures, talk about your uh, your mistakes, talk about your wins, talk about all that kind of stuff, and that we can all kind of like you know support each other through that. So. At the end of this uh, podcast, for those of you that made it all the way through, thank you so much. I do want to start a conversation with everybody, okay? So if you're a Sync Academy member, you just follow me on YouTube or just the podcast, I want you to either comment below if you're here on YouTube, if you're in Sync Academy, comment or just email me, jesse at syncmymusic.com. And I want to know if this conversation really hit a bell with you, if it really rang through, if this really resonated with something that you've been facing, feeling, that kind of thing. I want to get more of a conversation going because I do plan on actually releasing kind of more in-depth emotional, mental, psychological um, uh, tutorials in Sync Academy, actually, that are not going to be about how to produce music or how to succeed in a licensing business, but how to get through mental blocks, how to get how to get through psychological fears and that kind of thing. So, and Trevor and Mike are going to join me with those, and we're going to try to put some of those things together uh, throughout the summer. But we don't want to just stab in the dark and kind of hope that something that we do here is working for you guys. I need to get more direct feedback from you guys to let me know what's going on in your career. What are you facing? What are you worried about? What are your concerns? The more that you interact with me, the better these tutorials are going to be for you guys. And we will definitely release some of them uh, on YouTube for everybody to enjoy. But a vast majority of them will be um, just in Sync Academy. So we're going to go down this journey together. And I really hope that it helps a lot of you guys get through these emotional blocks that have gotten in your way and push you further onto your path to success in sync licensing. Thank you for listening to the Sync My Music podcast. If you enjoyed the show and want me to do more episodes, all that I ask is that you leave me a review on whatever platform or app that you're listening to. It just takes a few seconds. I'll never charge for this podcast and I wanna keep it 100% ad-free. 
and your review right now will help me do just that. Thank you so much. Bye.